0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo, I'm the director of AGLCA. Today our topic is going to be the rules of the road and I'm very pleased to have with us Captains Andrea and Rick Gaines who will share some information on the rules of the road as they pertain to boating. Before we bring in uh, the captains, I would like to take a moment to recognize and thank our admiral level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Captains Andre and Rick Gaines, thanks for joining us today on Great Loop Radio. Thank
1: you very much for inviting us. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you sharing some of your time and expertise with us, and that expertise is pretty extensive. So why don't you go ahead and start for some of our listeners who probably aren't familiar with you. Fill us in a little bit about uh, who you are and what your background is.
1: Sure, I'll start. Um, I am uh, a licensed Coast Guard captain, so I have a 100-ton license and uh, Card and uh, STCW. And uh, it's kind of a second career for me. So for the last 10 years, I've been running boats, moving boats, commissioning boats, delivering boats, and um, trying to stay safe on the water with the use of the rules of the road.
0: Mm -hmm. And Rick, do you want to share with us?
2: Sure, I'm a retired captain. I'm a career Coast Guard officer. Um, I was uh, stationed mostly in South Florida, North Carolina, and ended up as a teacher at the Coast Guard Academy, where I taught uh, chemistry and also uh, sailing, seamanship, and navigation during uh, some of the summer training programs. And I am a uh, proud crew member whenever Captain Andrea needs to make a delivery or uh, Move a boat that she's the captain for. Mm -hmm.
0: So, obviously, you both have uh, quite the credentials on this topic. So, we know that a lot of people that are becoming interested in the Great Loop are kind of new to boating in general, or if they have boated, you know, it may have been on a, a smaller lake or something close to home. So Tell us, you know, in, in a little bit of a, a broad terms, but and, and of course, in, in the time of this podcast, we can really only scratch the surface of the rules of the road. But let's start with the basics. What are the rules of the road as they pertain to our voters?
2: Uh, I'll take that one. Uh, the rules of the road are a collection of definitions, responsibilities, uh, predictable behaviors, performance standards, all relating to the conduct of vessels on the water and they are all codified into what is sort of um, collectively known as the coal regs they were promulgated by an international convention and then uh, the inland navigation rules were added on by the coast guard and this is in a a document uh, published by the coast guard from time to time with corrections, called a Commandant Instruction 16672.2. And there is a D uh, at the end of that, which means the current version is delta.
0: OK. So that that's kind of a lot to, to take in. Um, Why were these developed? Um, You know, and I think hopefully most of our loopers, as they're gaining some experience, if they don't already have it, they're familiar, at least in concept, with the coal regs. Um, But like I said, we do have some that are brand new to boating. So let's talk about why these rules of the road exist.
1: Okay, I'll take that. Um, Basically, the rules of the road exist to establish formally responsibilities and obligations that we have as boaters, whether it's recreational or commercial. Everybody's basically playing by the same rules, much like pilots have when they're moving about the skies. And uh, it helps us identify situations that are high-collision risk situations. And it provides us a framework of predictable vessel conduct that helps reduce, not necessarily, well, not necessarily eliminate, but reduce any risk of collision.
0: Well, and I think it's a very important topic because since boating licenses don't really exist in the same way that driver's license or even pilot's licenses do, uh, I think some people that are kind of new to boating, especially long distance cruising, don't realize how much there really is to know about the rules of the road because there's no benchmark test or anything to get that licensed really other than, you know, some of the, um, the newer courses that you have to take. But those are just really, again, just scratching the surface. So... We know that a lot of what's in the colregs regs is really aimed towards commercial traffic, but you know, kind of fill us in on the philosophy, philosophy behind the rules of the road.
1: So basically, the philosophy behind the rules of the road is really about risk assessment and avoiding collisions by all means possible. And so uh, you acknowledge by getting on a boat, getting underway, that you're accepting some responsibility to comply with the rules and avoid collisions and you uh, basically want to respond in a predictable way all the time so that other vessels coming or going understand your intention mm-hmm. and and there's a hierarchy of privilege as it relates to vessels on the water and um you know, basically, you want to make sure that um, that you're responding in a way that other boaters can predict, mm-hmm. assume, assuming they understand the rules of the road. Right. And then, and then, always closely monitoring the action of other vessels. You know, are they being predictable? Are they being unpredictable? And and that affects how it is that you respond in your maneuvering
0: mm-hmm.
1: around around those vessels.
0: So in your cruising, Andrea, and in in your deliveries, how often would you, and I'm sure it varies by places, but are you finding that it appears that most of the boaters out there are acting predictably and are familiar with these rules of the road? Or is this a subject that really is not getting enough airtime, so to speak?
1: I think that, uh, you know, a lot of it depends on where it is that I'm moving a boat or delivering a boat or running a boat. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly, out in the ocean or in larger bodies of water like the Chesapeake and the Delaware Bay and things of that nature, people understand the rules because they come across very large vessels. In those situations, you need to understand the rules to stay away from the risk of collision. Uh, Now, when you get into inlets and very small, confined waterways like the ICW and you have people that are boating on the weekends People tend to not, you know, the, the smaller boaters, not the boaters that are cruising the Great Loop or cruising from Maine to Florida, but the, the boaters that are just out for the weekend to have some fun. They're less inclined, in my observation, to uh, to be following what I would say the rules of the road. Mm-hmm. Now, and that's and that brings us to why it is you need to be vigilant all the time, and you need to understand. What other vessels are doing around you? And so on the weekends, when you're coming in the uh, the inlet in Fort Lauderdale and you're running up and down the ICW, there's a lot of really small boats that are on a mission to go somewhere or come from somewhere, and they're not concerning themselves with the fact that you may be restricted in your ability to maneuver, or uh, that you know that they have the right of way or that you have the right of way. And then that that brings us to you know the the common sense rule, which is the, the rule of the law of gross tonnage and, and uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, and we hear that rule of gross tonnage quite a lot, um but I think that sometimes you know sometimes um, in some circumstances that may be a little oversimplified, but we also hear you know boats <laughs> under sail versus boats under power, so you know, tell us a little bit, you mentioned kind of a hierarchy. Is that something you can share with us in this? I know sometimes in a, a podcast like this without visuals, it's a little bit difficult, but is that something that you can kind of share with us how that hierarchy is structured?
1: Rick, you want to take that?
2: Sure, I can, I can take that. I, I also maybe would like to go backwards for a second in yeah. you know, important point about the philosophy. And that is the rules will never be able to cover explicitly every situation and so it uh, it is often up to the operators to understand that they may have to use good seamanship uh, a little professional courtesy and maybe even um, you know um, change their route slow down or do something that's um, not always favorable to their to their voyage, just to be able to reduce the risk of collision. So, while the rules are very specific in a lot of different situations, there is that gray area that just basic seamanship and, and a little bit of courtesy could address as well.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh,
2: it it's not. Um, Memorizing the rules only and feeling as if, you know, you're, um, you're able to address every situation, I think, is um, um, not going to get you uh, where you need to go as far as a safe voyage. Now, with the hierarchy of vessels, basically it's a, um, a list of vessels at the top of which are the Uh, uh, the ones that cannot maneuver very well and at the bottom are generally the vessels that can maneuver very well Uh and that ability to um, change course and stop and avoid collision uh, is different for each type of vessel so basically at the top The the vessels that can't maneuver at all are those not under command. And uh, at the very bottom, the one that can maneuver the most are power-driven vessels. And actually, in a quirk of the rules, uh, seaplanes are listed down there as well. Hmm. And then, (laughs) so if you went from the least maneuverable to the most maneuverable, it would be not under command and restricted in ability to maneuver. So, you're under command, but you have a hard time maneuvering. Uh, like a Coast Guard buoy tender working on a buoy um, is really needs to be in the vicinity of the buoy to do that. So, uh, next on that, down on that list would be constrained by draft. So, a commercial vessel in a channel um, that's constrained to within that channel would be constrained by draft. And then next below that is fishing below that is sailing and below that is power driven vessels. So um, if you know where you are on that list, uh, that's usually a dead giveaway for what the rules are going to tell you you have to do when you come in close contact with someone else on that list.
0: Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other important aspects of the rules of the road? One question that comes to mind after you've describe the hierarchy is how, what's the preferred way to avoid collision or or how the rules of the road say to avoid collision if two boats are at the same place in that hierarchy. So two power boats, for example.
2: Well, uh, now we're talking about some other questions. Okay. So the the first, uh, and this kind of gets into sort of um, how you would apply the rules. um, But uh, we, found that if we start asking ourselves some very uh, pointed questions, that the answers to those questions will help us find the correct rule that's applicable in that particular instance. So um, the questions are things like, where are we? Are we in a special area? What is the classification of the two vessels? How are we meeting? are we meeting uh, bow to bow? Are we crossing? Are we overtaking? Those questions then point us to the proper rule in the book for how we should respond. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I- and yeah, we can get into that, you in know, in a little greater detail if you wish. Um, mm-hmm. it, but what, what we've done is we've tried to um, concern ourselves with those questions that point us to the proper rule uh, especially in the book because then then we know where to look in the book or on the placard uh, or on our iPhones for you know what we should be doing mm-hmm.
0: can you give us Rick a couple of examples of that
2: sure um, if well actually the, f- the first thing, your first question, I think, dealt with, like, what's the best way to approach a situation in which you find there might be a risk of collision? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we have found is that we can often, especially when you're in large bodies of water, we can often make slight changes to our course or speed that removes the risk of collision altogether and then we do not have to use the rules of the road all we have to do is maintain our usual level of vigilance so i would say the very first question would be is there a is there a safe early action that can remove any risk of collision if the answer is yes and i say take it and maintain vigilance, and then um, put the rules of the way, bo- uh, book away for the next um, situation that you might encounter. Uh-huh. So, uh, and we have found probably 75% of the time when we have that ability to take safe early action, uh, we, we can totally mitigate the need for the rules of the road. Uh-huh. Uh, when you're in the intercoastal waterway or um, constrained bodies of water that Um, you know, sometimes limits your safe early action. Uh, And so then you are constrained to to go on to the next set of questions, um, which uh, generally revolve around where you are. Uh, Are you in a narrow channel or a traffic separation scheme? What type of meeting is it? And does the rule then make you the vessel that's supposed to maintain course and speed, which is called the stand-on vessel, or are you obligated to give way, which makes you the give-way vessel? Um, So we came up with some um, flow charts, decision charts that allow us to ask these questions and based on pretty much yes and no answers, uh, you can apply the proper rule and, um, in some cases, literally go to the book and look at the rule, mm-hmm. and, and then determine if we're stand on or give way, and, um, and then act accordingly and uh, maintain the vigilance until the risk of collision is passed.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so you, I just want to yeah, mm-hmm. throw my two cents in there about, yeah. you know, I know people listening are thinking, oh, we don't have time to look something up in the book while we're in that situation. You know, you have, uh, everybody should have a VHF radio, and I'm a huge fan of if there's any confusion at all, and you don't understand what that other vessel is doing or what they might be doing, uh, I just pick up the radio, and I let them know I'm here, and ask what their intentions are, let them know what my intentions are, and that takes a lot of the confusion away if you're in a situation that you're uncomfortable with, and Mm -hmm. and that's, holds true whether it's daylight or, or nighttime running and you're you're not exactly sure what you're looking at, even though you think you know what the boat might be or the ship might be. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of using the radio just to communicate with the other the other helmsperson on the other on the other bridge.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great advice. We're going to take a a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the rules of the road with Andrea and Rick Gaines. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Good morning, Loopers. Many of you are probably already cruising in southeastern waters, and that is where the Salty Southeast Cruisers Net focuses all of its efforts to help you enjoy your time on the water. So as you prepare for the next leg of your journey and as your resource for accurate, timely and useful information, we want to invite you to use and add your knowledge to the wealth of information that's available through the cruiser's net in its directories for marinas, bridges, and anchorages, as well as the latest fuel prices in your area. Our mission of cruisers helping cruisers, may we invite you to help those following in your way by sharing with us your cruising experiences. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Captains Andrea and Rick Gaines. They are sharing with us lots of information about the rules of the road and of course we can only scratch the surface in the time we have available and also the fact that this is an audio only recording kind of makes it a little bit extra challenging. But if you could, um, Rick or Andrea, share with us how the rules of the road are structured.
2: Okay, I can take that one. The Rules of the Road are a sequence of 38 specific rules plus some annexes in the back that uh, um, essentially outline um, most of the situations that you might find yourself in. Uh, Basically, the rules are um, four different parts. Each part has a specific um, function Part A, for example, is responsibilities and definitions, uh, what a power-driven vessel is, what a sailing vessel is, et cetera, who's responsible uh, to follow the rules of the road, which is pretty much everybody on the boat. Um, Part uh, B starts uh, the bulk of the rules of the road, which is called the steering and sailing rules. These are uh, rules about how you should conduct your business um, in one, any visibility, two, when in sight of one another, three, when in restricted visibility. Each one of those conditions has a suite of rules about what you should do uh, when vessels are in close proximity to one another. And of course, when you're in restricted visibility, you're, you're implementing those ru- rules without seeing the other vessel. So uh, it takes on a whole new uh, obligation, if you will, to, um, to be very predictable in those circumstances. Um, part C is lights and shapes. So lights and shapes, day shapes, uh, are indicators of vessel type for that hierarchy of privilege and address uh, your movement in the water, Uh, obviously lights would be um, when the visibility is low or in darkness Uh, and part D is sound and light signals. And again, those are uh, for low visibility to indicate your vessel type in that hierarchy in the way you're moving through the water and also obviously in any sort of distress situation. And the annexes at the back are full of uh, government language about technical specifications, about sound producing devices, lights. Um, it also, though, includes a description of what's called the Colreg's demarcation line, which is that line on the chart. Uh, Landward of that line, you would follow the inland rules or any other special rules for that particular location, and seaward of that line, you would follow the international rules or any special rules associated if it were a special area. Mm
0: -hmm. So based on all that, and you know, there's a lot there and there's a lot in these rules of the road, what, are there any important aspects that maybe we haven't touched on yet today that you want to talk about?
1: Well, I think I think the most important aspect is being vigilant, and that you know that helps you carry through understanding uh, that you're either putting yourself in a situation where the rule has to be applied or keeping yourself out of that situation. And so, as long as we as boaters are vigilant about where we're going and what other people around us are doing, um, I think that keeps people safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's such a good point and I'm glad we've had this conversation because um, we encourage all of our loopers to get some education and to get some training and at least experience with their boat before they set off on the loop. So from your experience is there kind of a rule of thumb time frame that it takes a new boater to really become familiar with the rules of the road and be comfortable enough to use them when they're out there on the water being vil- vil- vigilant, vigilant, sorry, <laughs> vigilant.
2: Well, I, I can take that one. I think it's vitally important that people understand that knowing the rules is not an end point, but a state of mind. So um, we've been using the rules of the road for 30 years, but we still have to look in the book from time to time because it's a situation that we don't run up against very often. Or we discuss uh, what, what we're looking at and what that means to us. Rules are interpretive, so people can interpret the exact same set of, of observations, in fact, uh, in different ways. So I think that requires people to continually apply the rules of the road, uh, question the rules of the road, look up the rules of the road, um, go to seminars, uh, listen to podcasts, anything that will keep you connected to this idea that you, you, know, you need to continually be uh, interested in, in the rules of the road and apply the rules of the road in a professional way when you're on the water.
0: Well, and that's that's a good place to jump into kind of my final question as our time starts to wind down. For people who do want to remain up to date and continue to learn about this, what are some of the good resources that you can recommend?
1: Well, you know, certain, certainly Googling navigational rules of the road gives you a whole lots of links to a different format or different versions of the rules of the road. Um, there's a great app that Somebody created, uh, if you go into your app store and click on Coast Guard, there's a fabulous app that um, was created that has a lot of data in it. But one of the things that it does have inside that is the rules of the road. And um, so you can very quickly click on that and you know you can look at lots of different things, safe speed, responsibilities between vessels, posting a lookout overtaking rule, passing head-on. Those things are all right there at your fingertips. So that's kind of a neat little tool to have in a pinch. Certainly vessels um, should carry a paper copy of the Rules of the Road as well. And um, if you go to West Marine or some, uh, some of the vendors that sell uh, marine equipment, they usually have a laminated placard that gives you some of the the high, the high points that you might run across more often than not on a double-sided, colored, laminated car. That's a great tool to have at your wheelhouse or at the helm just to refer to from time to time. Um, there's a there's a guide that we have used uh, that has an excellent decision tree logic in it, and that's the one-minute guide to the rules of the road. And um, so we use that as a resource as well uh, to help frame when we t- when we teach our classes on the rules of the road to kind of help frame your decision logic as you move through certain situations um, and then the you know the usual power squadron classes or, or going to the sessions that you all do to educate everybody and, and using the rules kind of as a little game when you're underway for long stretches of time and you come across certain things whether it's a light or a buoy or another vessel or a fishing vessel and kind of testing each other along the way because you don't Come across these things every day in every situation. So, uh, just making it something fun to test each other on also helps Mm -hmm. keep everybody refreshed.
0: Mm -hmm. And, Andre, you mentioned, um, oh, sorry, Rick, go ahead.
2: I was going to add uh, to this list that the Coast Guard Navigation Center, um, the official government navigation center, uh, also has the the rules of the road downloadable in PDF file. They have flashcards uh, for training aids. Um, That is an excellent source of information. That's usually where you get your local notice to mariners and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you can access the rules of the road through there. They also have a, a unified set there, which tries to simplify the difference between international and inland. And there's one other online uh, source that we like, which is called the Handbook of the Nautical Rules of the Road. Um, and in that, they actually try to explain the, re- the rationale for the, uh, the rules, which is very nice to read from time to time. So you can kind of get a feeling for why the rule is what it is and why it is described the way it's described.
0: Right. Okay. And uh, while you were given some of those resources, Andrea, you mentioned that you teach classes about the rules of the road. Do you have any of those scheduled at this point that I can direct people to?
1: You know, we don't. uh, You know, we've done some things with Trawler Fest and certainly, you know, we are, we're flexible. So if Mm -hmm. if folks are interested in having kind of a one-on-one or if they've got a group that they want to assemble and give us a call, we're happy to put something like that together.
0: All right. And your website is?
1: Uh, My website is www.janeofalltradesllc.com.
0: All right. Andrea and Rick Gaines, both captains, and thank you for joining us today and sharing your time and your knowledge about this with us. Great. Thank you, Thank you, Kim. To our listeners, we also thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.